Letitia, and this is Series 3 of the New Leaf Podcast, created for new and working mums everywhere. New Leaf interviews working women from a variety of industries to share their journeys of what happened to them after having babies, exploring the often huge professional and personal identity shifts that happen when we create the next generation. Our jobs are a really big part of who we are, and we don't stop being who we always were just because we've had a baby. There is such big pressure to be the perfect mummy when actually she doesn't exist and return to the perfect career when actually that doesn't really exist either. We are all muddling through and figuring it out. By sharing these amazing women's stories, I want to prove to you that motherhood is truly a rebirth in ways we never expect. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at New Leaf Podcast if you want to continue the conversation with the hashtag MyMotherhoodMyChoice. Before we get going though, I've got something special and free lined up for you. Click the episode details to subscribe to New Leaf Nutshell, my exclusive fortnightly summary write-up of these episodes with judgment-free motherhood tips and tricks, general musings and interesting articles about all things women straight to your phone doing all the googling so you don't have to. Okay, let's go. Jessica Laws, mum of four and co-founder at The Mum Club, joins me on series three, episode six of the New Leaf podcast. Jess co-founded The Mum Club with her friend Lauren Weber back in 2016, after a lot of mutual frustration that there weren't really groups for women that were mum rather than baby focused. The Mum Club is there for a community for women to meet up all over the UK to discuss all things motherhood, but in a much more women-centric way. Through a franchise model, they curate local events and provide a nationwide online experience, as well as providing offers and discounts, making it a lot easier for mums to make other like-minded mum friends that, in their words, value who you are rather than what you are as a mummy. Of course, for fans of the podcast who know me and know what I'm about, hopefully it's nice and clear to see why I wanted to get Jess on. Anything that is woman-focused when it comes to the juggle and struggle of motherhood gets my vote any day of the week, and the mum club was no exception. Jess's journey through motherhood and career has been quite different to my other guests, with babies coming first and career later, might I add at absolutely zero detriment to her success. Jess was pregnant with her first at just 21, making her pretty young by modern standards, where the average age to begin our motherhood journeys is nearly 10 years later at 31 years old in the UK, being when most ladies have their first babies. As a result, it means Jess has now completed her family just when lots of other ladies are just beginning theirs with four beautiful children under her belt and still so much youthful energy to do what she now does. Jess's family setup is definitely a bit different to most people, but it was clear that this setup has had a really positive influence on both her motherhood and professional experience and has massively encouraged her passion for wanting to create this incredible community. Jess's husband happens to play rugby for England, and to me it seemed clear that this has given her invaluable first-hand experience of the value and power of the village through incredible female friendships, which I have no doubt must have really influenced the birth of the mum club. To be in that world, Jess describes in the episode the very unique and shared experience of having their partners away on tours, where they're doing a very stressful and physically demanding job, 
and are also under scrutiny from press as well as under constant pressure to perform. Motherhood can be challenging at the best of times and Jess talks in the episode about how incredibly supportive and vital it was to her to have other girlfriends and wives going through the same thing as her where they could just pick up the phone and share the highs and lows of that life with immediate understanding of what they were all going through. And of course, we all need this as mums and Jess has geniusly recognised this and capitalised on it. We all need this village, our somebody to pick up the phone and moan to, or voice note if you're me, and also just to be ourselves with. We all have mum friends and then mum friends, if you know what I mean. There are the people who we know as mums and then there are the people that we know for who they are. And you absolutely need the latter to get through those sleepless nights, the vomiting bugs and all the other mental events that make up motherhood. Jess made me laugh out loud at multiple points during this interview. Her unwillingness to join the Kath Kidston and pie-making motherhood set, her words by the way, as well as sometimes just needing a mimosa and babies kind of brunch, I completely and utterly understood. She then combined this with an enviably laid-back approach to motherhood, which was refreshingly different to how I am and made her a truly intriguing guest. Jess and Lauren and the Mum Club are definitely ones to watch. Introducing the very glamorous and unimaginably mum of four, Jess Laws. Welcome, Jess. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. So what I ask all of my guests is, where are you in the world right now and what can you see in front of you? So right now I am in Northamptonshire and I'm in my front room looking at my desk. Tell me about your immediate family unit. Who is in it? So my husband, Courtney, and then we have four children. So we have Nell, who is eight, Teddy, who's six, and then we got twin boys, uh, Hugo and Otto, who are four. Now that is a handful. Yeah, that's <laughs> a bit of a surprise. Wow, that yeah, that really is a lot on your plate. I feel like yeah. um, we've got lulled into this false sense of security because Nell came along first, this dream baby. She was, she is still so good. She's super helpful, bless her. And then we got Teddy, who uh, they're about eighteen months apart, and then the twins came along two years later, and. Yeah, I mean, the twins was a massive shock. We found out actually when my husband was uh, the other side of the world, he was in New Zealand. And because it was the third time round, I just went for the scan with my mum. I just thought, you know, it'd be a regular scan. And the sonographer, she had her screen on, but not the main screen. And she was like scanning away and she went, oh, do twins run in your family? (laughs) And I was like, no. And she flicked on the main screen and then there was two little babies wriggling around. I think I swore first and then <laughs> cried for a bit. <laughs> and then I cried? I yeah. yeah, it's just no, an immediate, like, overwhelmed reaction. I think a lot of it was to do with because, you know, we had one pram, we had one crib, we've got a car, we've got a house that all fits, like, for three kids and two adults. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? So, yeah, my immediate reaction was to cry. And then I think I told Lauren first, who is the co-founder with me on the Mum Club. And then I told my husband once he got off the plane from New Zealand, because I wouldn't tell him over the phone. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was a big surprise. <laughs> I think if you told him over the phone, you'd get, get quite a lot of silence the far end. And you need to see someone's face, don't you? To yeah, absolutely. I was really overwhelmed with shock. 
but his reaction he just laughed and he thought it was hilarious and brilliant and exciting <laughs> and it, his reaction actually made me go okay this is fine like we'll do Aww. this it'll work so yeah it was actually quite nice that's mad and if anybody actually knows Jess I don't really understand how you have four children yeah. were you quite a young mum so I was 21 nearly 22 when I had nails but yeah looking back I was very young I spent most of my 20s in the depths of nappies and no sleep and all that stuff. So I've just turned 30 and I feel like I'm always getting a new lease of life, some kind of freedom back. And, you know, the kids are getting older, they're getting to an age where you, you can go for lunch and, you know, kids aren't chucking food all over the place. And it's a lot more enjoyable in that sense. Like I definitely miss babies. But yeah, my husband's had the step now. So it was, I was very young, but I, I wouldn't change it. I had my first at 29. So to have kids that in your 20s, but not just 20s, your early 20s, yeah. how was that at the time? Were you the only person that you knew who was having babies? What was that like? So my husband, he's, he plays rugby professionally and their career starts really young. He was probably getting to the top of his playing career at this stage. So, you know, most people are like just starting out in careers and he's accomplished a lot. And the people around us, we were probably the youngest out of the crowd and they were settling down and having families and getting married. And that was normal to us. And, you know, we'd spend our weekends at the rugby with all these families and then throughout the week he'd train and I'd spend time with the girls or before actually I had now I was at university. And so it was normal for us. It seemed the right direction that we were going in. So yeah, it didn't seem too shocking. And actually a group of my friends all did have children quite young. There was obviously my university friends who were like, oh my God, it was a bit of a shock. Whereas my girlfriends from home were all in similar situations. So at the time it seemed very normal. It slotted into our life. But yeah, looking back, we, we were very young. Yeah. And I think specifically when I think about my own mum, She'd had all her kids by the time she was 29. But that's, I mean, that's essentially the same as you, right? Yeah. So where are you actually from and how did you meet Courtney? So I'm actually from uh, Cheshire. Uh, it's a place called Nantwich, but nobody's ever really heard of it. I grew up on a dairy farm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> had a really nice upbringing, kind of lots of freedom, essentially. And then I moved to London for university and I met Courtney down in London. And yeah, the, the rest is really history. <laughs> As they say, it was three mutual friends and they were actually down in London training. I believe it was with an England camp. So they were down in London because he, he plays for Northampton and he has done for years. That's why we live here. So yeah, it was three mutual friends. They were down in London and then he actually went on tour. It would have been a World Cup, the Australia World Cup. And we didn't see each other for, I'd say, five to six months. It was a make or break situation. So it worked for us. Tell me about what you did pre-baby. I mean, this is an interesting one because usually when I ask my guests this, obviously they've had kids a little bit later and they've yeah. had careers beforehand. But for you, you were at university. So what were you studying? Yeah, I was actually studying a classical and contemporary dance degree. Wow. Yeah, I, I always really enjoyed it. It was a brilliant degree to do. I don't think I had a view of what would come of it at the end. There's obviously lots of jobs in the arts, but I think I just chose the degree because I enjoyed doing that. And there's a lot of pressure on, oh, you need to pick your degree to follow on to your career. And actually, it doesn't always work like that. You don't always end up with the decision you make at 17 with that career path. So I just did something I enjoyed and I loved it. I had a great time. 
You must have been in the like proper throes of uni life, going out. So getting pregnant, was it something that was a surprise? What happened? So with my degree, we had a lot of training. There was a lot of dance sessions. So yes, the first year we probably did the usual freshers stuff, but <laughs> yeah. it wasn't your stereotypical degree in the sense that you'd um, have a couple of classes a week and then you could, you know, spend the, the rest of the time dossing around. So um, <laughs> it actually wasn't that type of experience, my uni experience. We spent a lot of time training and gosh, if you went in with a hangover to a ballet class, you'd know about it. It wasn't quite the same. I did fall pregnant towards the end of my degree. We did make a mutual decision that we wanted to start a family. So it wasn't a surprise. I think the only surprise was how quickly it happened. I mean, proven time and time again that we're highly fertile. So it didn't take very long to fall pregnant. So I had a couple of months after my degree and I actually did my final show pregnant. They say babies in the womb can hear um, and resonate with music once they're born. And the track that was played in the final show, we obviously heard it a lot. And we used to play it when she was born, when she was a couple of months old. And I, I felt like she knew she recognized the music so yeah that was lovely she's eight now which is just blowing my mind because I just can't believe you're 30 with an eight-year-old so she's in year three is that right she is in year three yes knows what she wants she's my right-hand man as well like she's brilliant she's my friend my daughter and you know they talk a lot about how you grow with your children you know I was very young when I had her and I've definitely um grown with her so I feel like we have a very close bond and she is my only daughter so I love boys they're brilliant yeah, my bond with Nell is something else. I am actually jealous because I've got <laughs> two boys because it just sounds so wonderful. But how was your pregnancy with Nell and how was your birth? So I was still performing quite a bit with Nell when I was pregnant. So I basically ate my way through that pregnancy um, because <laughs> I felt like if I was hungry, I'd feel sick. There was a lot of carbs. I quite enjoyed the fact that I kept going. I don't think I would have boded too well sat on the sofa all the time. And so the pregnancy went quite quickly. I did feel sick some of the time, but it wasn't too bad. And then throughout each pregnancy, it was slightly worse. So I was a bit more poorly with Teddy. And then with the twins, I was <laughs> not in a good place. They definitely sucked the life out of me. They were really big twins. Uh, they were born about a month early and they were £6.6 six and £6.4. So they... <gasps> no, come on. Yeah, they were big boys. So I was poorly and it was, it felt like a very long pregnancy, but they were super big, healthy twins, which was amazing. I mean, we didn't have to stay in, they needed no special care. It was brilliant. So in that sense, we're very lucky. I am literally amazed. Like both my <laughs> boys, one was six, five. I mean, you had 12 pounds of baby in your tummy. But that must have been a really different pregnancy compared to your other ones. Absolutely. My husband had to take on a lot more with the older two. And I had very specific cravings, a certain type of ham salad sandwich, smoked mackerel pate, like the demands <laughs> were strong. But yeah, they just zapped everything out of me. Like I had a week where I didn't go for a week, even though I was taking on liquid. A week? Um, yeah. So trip to the hospital for that one. I feel like there's a lot more now around pregnancy sickness. It's taken a lot more seriously. But at the time I went to out of hours after four hours, got sent to A&E, had to sit in A&E waiting room. And I was like last on the list. We were there for hours. And I just said, I just want to go home. So I actually didn't get any help in that scenario where now I feel like there's more support around pregnancy and sickness. So I didn't have the best pregnancy with the twins in the sense that mm. I was very well, but I had a great pregnancy in the sense that 
they were just thriving. I think being young definitely helped me through that. It was yeah, more carefree, I think, back then. Whereas I'd say if I got pregnant now, I, I know more and I'm aware of more and I have more worries, I probably would have felt very differently. That naivety can be a blessing as well yeah. as the curse because sometimes we know what you don't know can't hurt you. So it's a really mixed one. And I've actually had people and followers of the podcast just say that they almost feel like sometimes they know too much and yeah. that it can also create a lot of fear around pregnancy and birth. But having twins is your final pregnancy and there is so much more risk generally in that type of birth. So were your healthcare providers quite careful to talk to you about the risks yeah, when you have a multiple birth, you have a consultant that is what well, should be the same person throughout and you see them a lot more, obviously, than just your scans. So you do have more care and more checkups, which was comforting. But then there was things like I remember being told, I think I was about 20 weeks and they said there is this chance and it's about a 50 percent chance of you losing one twin where one oh grows bigger than the other. And I said, oh, well, I'm 20 weeks now. So that statistic must go down. And he said, no, that is throughout your pregnancy. So that's quite a high number to know. That's huge. I did yeah. not know that. And I had really good births with um, my older two. And I was almost a bit gutted that I just presumed straight away I'd have to have a C-section. And I didn't. And it wasn't because I pushed for it or anything. And it, it was because my consultant saw my past records and they knew that everything went particularly well the first two times. So there's no reason why I shouldn't go again uh, for two and yeah, like I say, it was a brilliant experience and I do feel like I had great support and the care was brilliant. So I felt although it was a more high risk situation, I felt like I was supported throughout, aside from mm. the sickness. <laughs> yeah, aside from that, I mean, it does sound like it was, was such a huge strain, but you said with your first pregnancy that you quite literally danced your way through it. <laughs> yeah. But you had two years between your first and second. So how did your second compare in terms of pregnancy? So I think Nell was around nine months when we fell pregnant with Teddy. So they're about 18 months apart. The pregnancy probably took more of a toll on me that time. And that was probably because I was looking after a toddler. Can't just go to bed and forget everything. You know, you've got to sort out the next day and sort out everybody else. So the side of things that I felt worse was the tiredness. And, you know, when you're really tired and you're pregnant, you probably feel sick and all those things, everything. You don't come first when you've got more children to look after. So yeah, it was a slightly different experience because yeah, you can't just lay on the sofa. <laughs> they're at the age where they don't just want to sit and do nothing because they're on. <laughs> so you have to entertain them. Courtney spends a lot of time away. So how was that in terms of your support system at home? Did you have people helping you out? I think he went on a tour when the twins were about four or six weeks old. That was probably the most challenging time. And it's one of those memories that I've blocked out. I actually can't remember what it was like. <laughs> I think I was just going through the motions, feed, sleep, sort the older two, you know, just get on with it. And that was a challenging time. My parents live a couple of hours away. And yeah, we actually did end up getting in some paid help. I think I was about a month into that tour and... We ended up getting a girl in to come and help, and that was a blessing. But yeah, it's, it is a challenge, but we like a challenge. So. Your parents being a couple of hours away, that's really tough. And what about your in-laws? What about Courtney's parents? Courtney's parents are slightly closer to us, but they all still work. They're all still in, in employment or self-employed or whatnot. So they have their own kind of commitments. 
That is something that you don't really think about because people are having babies so much later these days. Most people's parents are retired or yeah. at least like scaling down by the time you have kids. But if you have children young, I mean, they're all, yeah, they're all still working. <laughs> yeah, they are. So you said that Courtney went away when the twins were four, six weeks old. How was your feeding experience with all four? I didn't have much expectations with my first pregnancy. Again, I think it was because I was quite young. I don't think I was that aware of the stigmas around breastfeeding that come up now. So I thought, you know, if I can breastfeed, I will. I'll give it a go. If not, there was bottles and formula in the cupboard. So I did give it a go. My milk didn't actually come in for... I'd say five to six days, but there was not a lot coming out. So that kind of has an effect on how it goes. So she did go onto the bottle and then I pumped and I did the same for all of them. Pumped when my milk came in for not a very long time, a couple of weeks, maybe, maybe a bit longer, but they were all bottle babies. And pumping has its own challenges and I had real challenges with that so you said it yourself but I guess having babies a lot younger there's less of that I mean it's totally wrong but that stigma around bottle feeding and obviously with what you do now you must be so much more aware of that so did you find that you felt differently about bottle feeding with your second your third pregnancies or did you just feel much the same because you've done it before yeah I mean I'd like to think I'm a particularly laid back person so I'm very much easy life you know whatever works for your family works and so it never occurred to me I should really be trying past five days to get the latch again we got into a routine everybody was happy the baby was fed I've never really had an opinion on whether formula feeding or breastfeeding is better it's just whatever works for you so that's what we did and I, I never really gave it another thought and I think that's personally how it should be. It, it, yeah. I mean, a huge proponent of the podcast and what this is all about is that it's my motherhood, my choice, and it is your experience that is the biggest thing that counts. And if you are not happy as mum, then babies aren't going to be happy either. Yeah. And particularly by the time you get to number three and number four, I mean, <laughs> as long as everybody is asleep, like, yeah. you're good. Like, <laughs> yeah, just got to keep them alive like, at that point. <laughs> Exactly. What did you do between number one and number two? Because 18 months is a small, that is a small gap. So again, going back to my husband's career, we're, we're very dictated by that. So we could move at the drop of a hat. He's away a lot. It was very hard for me to commit to work. I knew I didn't want to go back and do performance. Everything's very London centric. You know, you should commit your life to a performing. So it'd be very hard to have a family around that. So me and my husband actually started a property development company and we still have that now. We always knew that was something we wanted to do to set up for retirement, which sounds crazy saying when you're 30, but actually rugby players retire particularly young. So we had to set something up for our future and property is what we went into. So for the past, I'd say nine years, we've been building a property portfolio. So that is what I delved into and I can do that from anywhere, really. I can do that from bottle feeding in bed if I need to. So it worked you can just run it all from your phone I guess pretty much yeah most of the time so I'm just thinking like doing the maths in my head when you had the twins am I right in saying that Teddy was two then and now was four he yeah he would have been around two I just honestly I just don't know how you did it (laughs) 
How did you? I'm just amazed. I mean, was Nell in some sort of childcare by that stage, by the time you had the twins? Nell would have been in nursery, so she would have gone two or three days a week to the nursery down the road. It was only a couple of years later she started school, then Teddy's at school, and then the twins will be starting in September. Mm. So although when you're in it, it feels like, you know, you're never going to see the light again. All of a sudden, you know, they're, they're running into school today and they're world book day superhero costumes and telling you they love you and you know it's cliche but goes by very fast but at some point you must have had to have a triple buggy surely because i have a double buggy now and i've got an almost three-year-old and a seven-month-old so no Um, (laughs) I'm literally just the logistics I'm like fascinated like how did this work yeah so we had a double buggy and then we'd have the you know the like boogie boards but yeah and just cracked on yeah you know you gotta walk if you want to go to the park so um we just got on with it just really. making this sound so easy like <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. This is a good advert for fucking <laughs> I know that's what I mean you're like yeah it's all right like <laughs> so in terms of other I guess I'm not going to say wags but wives and girlfriends of other players must have had at least been a lot of solidarity for you to have other women that were going through something similar so did you provide each other with a lot of support yeah it feels like a family you know you see them Mm. weekly you're all going through similar stuff I mean when the boys get injured you're guaranteed to get a message from a couple of the girls like oh my god I hope you're okay not them you so uh, (laughs) yeah there's there's definitely a support system there the girls are brilliant they've all got their own stuff going on they're they're pretty inspiring really and you get to meet people from all over the world you are their family you know Christmas comes around and the table's full of all your friends because they can't Mm -hmm. pop home to New Zealand or South Africa or wherever to to go back and see family because rugby plays through so it is it's a lovely family unit it is great it must be crazy because when it comes to things like parenting there aren't that many other professions where somebody else's career just completely dictates your own life yeah so that must be quite a big adjustment but is Courtney a hands-on kind of dad as much as he can he's brilliant he actually took up cooking the first lockdown and that has been the best thing that's ever happened (laughs) (laughs) but no when he's home generally they finish around two three o'clock so he's around in the afternoon it helps with school pick up bath time all of the above he loves getting the kids out in the garden playing sports with them takes them to their clubs yeah he's great with them and he's never away that long so Mm. yeah we miss him but it's almost quite nice it's I always think it's nice to miss somebody, isn't it? And then you uh, really relish the time with them when they're back. So obviously you've dedicated a huge amount of your personal life to your kids for the last eight years. What inspired you to start the Mum Club? Because it sounds like you've already got rather a lot on your plate. Yeah, well, I actually met Lauren, my co-founder. It would have been 2016 World Cup. And at this time, I would have had Nell and Teddy, who was very young. And Lauren was about to get married um, and start their family. So we were chatting quite a lot about motherhood and how it was and whatnot. And there was just a bit of a mutual frustration that the motherhood scene is seen as quite mumsy you know you can yes you become a mum and you have to start wearing kids and and you know making your own <laughs> pies and I, I don't know it. what else but, you know the baby groups that you go to that are brilliant and there's an absolute need for them but I don't want to sit in a cold village hall and sing nursery rhymes to my six-week-old baby that literally doesn't have a clue what is going on and probably falls asleep so we just thought that you know the market has a massive hole in it where 
these women that are going through quite a lot are not being spoken to. There's nothing that truly focuses on the woman within motherhood. So we thought Mm. there's a gap. Let's fill it. Let's do something. And I think mums are so poorly represented in like films and in the media. And it's like, I say this on quite a few episodes that it almost feels like sometimes you're either young and sexy and child free or you're like mumsy mum. And there's like nothing in between. And actually that just doesn't reflect the reality of having kids. Like you don't change who you are just because you've had a baby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not losing yourself. You know, you go through a lot and you might need to take some time out and figure out your priorities and how life runs now that you've got children. But you're still you and you can still like the things that you liked before you became a mum. And that is absolutely fine. And have you found that more of a challenge or did you find that more of a challenge having four? Because I guess the more kids you have, the harder it is to reclaim that time for yourself. So the main thing I find is the the support isn't as good as what it used to be. They say it takes village and we no longer live next door to everybody. I'm a couple of hours away from my family. And so my childcare is mainly paid for childcare. So I made sure that I I found a great nursery and you might have to pay for that help and childcare is expensive, but it's worth it Mm -hmm. for your sanity. And yeah, just getting those things in place. Like we have a wonderful babysitter. We have a brilliant nursery and I trust and rely on these people to look after my children so that I can Mm -hmm. work or see my friends or, you know, not everything has to be childcare is for work. You can have childcare Mm. so that you can have a day to get yourself in order and see your friends and fill your cup. And that is absolutely as much value as, you know, whatever is in your wallet. Like you you need that as a woman, as a mum. Absolutely. And I really like that expression, just filling your cup because it's so true and I think so much of being a mum is just you just give it's just giving 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 all the time and it can feel like a really thankless task sometimes because your two-year-old doesn't necessarily care that you've been up all night with your twins (laughs) do you know what I mean like they just (laughs) want the blue cup which is in the wash that you can't get hold of at that exact second or whatever at least I'm just repeating what my toddler is like but there we go (laughs) um but it sounds like this childcare and this identity thing was something that's really important to you so was there a time in your motherhood where you just felt like you were losing yourself what is it that's made you focus on this because it's a big thing to dedicate your professional life to I think it was partly my experience I don't know if I felt like I lost myself but I I felt bored I had my daughter and you go through the motions, you know, you you nap time, you're feeding, you this, you that. And at the end of the day, I felt like, what have I achieved? I went from um, (laughs) doing my degree and performing in shows and training all day and then coming home and going out for dinner with friends or my husband. And and then I, I was just sat in my living room for hours on end watching total mush on the telly. And it was just I felt like my time was being wasted. And the more you speak to people, the more people are in the same boat, fighting the same fight. So why not do something that fills your cup? Like go for brunch. Your baby's six weeks old. They'll probably sleep. Do something nice. Put those nice clothes on. Get out the house. Like the getting out and going for a walk is invaluable. Getting out and going for a walk with somebody you enjoy their company is tenfold Mm. like it's so worth it so yeah I mean I obviously have Lauren who we both felt very similar about the scenario and the more you talk about it I think it's very easy when you've got somebody to bounce ideas off and all of a sudden a bottle of wine later and you're like right 
So that definitely helped. I wouldn't be where we are with the mum club if I was doing it on my own. Having her as my support has been huge in motherhood and in business. It's a big thing having somebody to conversate with and feel the same. And that's very much what the mum club is about. You touched on a really interesting point now, which is the kind of boredom of motherhood. And I know that sounds like an awful thing to say, but I don't feel quite so bad because, I mean, you've said it first, really. But I think it's <laughs> it's something that I talk about with my close mum friends where I remember texting um, such an old colleague of mine, but we ended up being quite good friends when we both left the business that we'd been in. And my son was seven or eight months old, my first baby. And I remember saying, just really bored. Is yeah. this normal? Like, I love him. But I don't yeah. know what to do with him all day. Yeah. You know, there's only so much attention span he has. Yeah, okay, great. We go on walks, but I'm just really bored. And I remember feeling really ashamed of that bored feeling when actually it's not anything to be ashamed of at all. And I think lots of women feel the same, as you said. Absolutely. And I think the shame comes from, you know, there's lots of people in this world that aren't as lucky to have children or it's a lot harder. And there's that mm. guilt of, you feel frivolous saying you're bored with your child, whereas you're not actually bored with your child. You're just bored with the mundane process of your day-to-day life right now. So that's where we come in and say, you know, especially in those early months, they do not care where they are. Put them in the buggy, (laughs) go shopping, go meet friends. When you become a mum, you almost think, okay, well, we have to stay in the house and we have to go to a baby class and we have to, you know, tick these boxes, do baby yoga and all those things have a place. But so does the thing that makes you happy and put your nice dress on, go and have a coffee, you know, have a blinking mimosa, like whatever you need yeah. to get you through that day, <laughs> Like, then do it because it's, it is about motherhood and it is about the baby, but it's also about you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you said that Lauren's been really invaluable support to you and it's so fab that you're able to run something with somebody else who's not only really good at what she does, but also a really good friend. So what's Lauren's background and what does she do? She's got a great background. Lauren's done lots of bits and bobs. We obviously met through the rugby. She worked for Vogue in New York for a short while. Yeah, she's got a <laughs> she's got an interesting past. Oh and my then- god. Yeah, and now they live in Jersey, actually. So Rob, her husband, coaches out there. Now he's retired and he's moved into coaching. So they live out there with their daughter, Ronnie, and then the rest is history. So how long has the Mum Club been going for? And what was it like that first, I don't know, the Instagram page or the website? And you think, oh, my God, is this going to take off? Tell me about all of that. Yeah, so, I mean, like any good idea, we were around the kitchen table with a bottle of wine, just throwing ideas out there and talking about it. And, you know, if you've got a good idea, you get more and more excited about it when you're talking. And we just knew it was something we were going to do. And I think the the hardest thing was coming up with a name. It's a bit like your child, isn't it? You know, it's the name for life. Um, so it's got to be good. And we kept coming back to the mum club and we were like, dude, it is what it is. It's a club for mums. So... The, the name was born and then next was the Instagram page and it, it didn't take us very long to see that these people we were meeting online, they're all over the place, you know, and Instagram is great and it obviously has its downfalls, but we wouldn't use it still to this day if it was worse than it was better. So Absolutely. It's, it's an invaluable tool and it's brought so many people together. So we were just that next step that the people were brought together online and then we just facilitated that you know these are your people meet them in real life like 
they can be mm. your friends. And we've got people now that have met at our events that are godparents to each other's kids and they've been at each other's weddings yeah. and it is it's amazing. It's been going for around five almost six years there was a small website and then lockdown happened our events obviously had to stop as everything did mm. and we spent a lot of time at home and a lot of time deciding what comes next for the business and it was probably the best thing that could have happened for us because we completely rehauled we picked apart every section of our business and decided the new goals you know the new strategy the new website and what really was the driving focus for the business and like I've mm. said before, that is the woman and that needs to be so mm. clear. We are here for the woman and to connect people and to put advice out there. So there was a lot that we thought there was online that needed to be correct advice, expert led, you know, stuff that you really want to read as well. So we had a bit of a rehaul and also launched our franchise, which has been a bit of a dream from the start. We had events going on in different areas uh, up to that point, but we knew that a franchise model was what we needed because that was the only way we could reach everywhere. When I say everywhere, like globally is the goal. We really want to expand as much as possible. There is no reason why we shouldn't be anywhere that a mum lives you know and it's flourishing we've got 20 at the moment I believe and they're up and down the country as well as one in Jersey and mm -hmm. yeah they're a great bunch of girls they're doing brilliant things that's absolutely fantastic the workload generally must be pretty big just to wade through all of these and answer direct messages and stuff so how do you manage that with the kids as well so Last Christmas, we decided we could no longer function as Lauren and I, and we started employing people. So we've got a small team at the moment, but they're brilliant. They are helping us grow, and it's, it's very exciting where it's going. So yeah, we took on a few girls to help us out, and it's been the best thing we've done, I think. <laughs> So not only are you managing that, you're then also managing actual people. And I, I would imagine some mums on that team, right? So you're having yeah. to also do flexible working, etc. Absolutely. So yeah, currently it's all mums. But yeah, that is not in the job criteria. <laughs> um, you don't <laughs> have to be a mum. But yeah, it's great though. And you know, there's a lot around employing mums, actually. I can't remember who I was speaking to the other day, but they worked in uh, recruitment and they were saying the demand for actually working mothers is huge because these women, yes, they might have to go and pick their kids up early or whatnot, but they turn up and they work hard and they need to be there. They need to be paid and they're organized and they put 110% in. So there's actually a massive demand for, for working mothers at the moment. So it's quite an interesting one. Mm. And I remember going to like a women in business conference a while ago and I remember this bloke, I mean, it was pretty sexist but he also made a pretty good point which is that he was he said oh yeah I love employing mums because you only pay them for four days a week and they work like six and a half you know in terms of the amount of output they give and I was like mate wrong place to say backhanded that very <laughs> backhanded compliment but he has a point I mean my mother-in-law always says if you want something done ask a busy person and there yeah. is nobody busier than a mum very true so I, I bet you couldn't even imagine that it is where it is now. No, it's it's definitely grown. It, it has outgrown our initial expectations, but I think it's like anything, you know, 
you buy a car and you want a boat and when you want a boat you want a yacht so our expectations are always and our goals are always getting bigger and bigger but it's it's amazing and we you know we want to grow global we want to reach everywhere we currently are you know the number one events for mums so we just want to hold on to that and keep growing and it must be pretty cool as well to have gone through that nappies decade in your 20s of just yeah. basically being like, oh my gosh, like I just need to get to the end of this. And coming to something and building something after you've had your kids. I mean, lots of people don't do it that way around. They do it the other way around or they do it halfway through or, or whatever. So what would you say to any women who perhaps have had kids a bit younger or who still really haven't found the thing that they want to do with the rest of their lives and are in the midst of having kids? What would you say to them? I think there's just so much time. You don't need to rush into anything. Figure out what you love, what you're happy to dedicate your time to and something will come from it, whether that is working for somebody else or starting your own. You, if you love something and you want it to work, you'll make the time to do it. It's, it is my fifth, mm. sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth child. Like it's something that I invest in as much as anything else in my life. And, you know, if you nurture something, it will grow. So I don't think there's pressure to find it right now. You know, if you, if you love something, it, it will work. Yeah. And I think yeah. you've obviously proven that with mum cub 10 times over. So I guess we're running out of time, but when you think about kind of the decades to come, um, what do you want your kids to think about what you've done, what you've achieved? I hope they see that passion and hard work gets results, essentially. And whatever yeah. you put your time and effort into, you'll get rewards. You know, don't be lazy. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's essentially the message. But yeah, I hope, of course, I hope they're proud what we've done because I am and they are the driving force behind it so yeah I, I hope they, mm -hmm. they can see that was there ever a time when you were doing it that you questioned it and thought oh is this the right thing to be doing did you ever experience any setbacks yeah I mean there's always setbacks in business it's a difficult one to know when to give up I'd say so I'm quite a stubborn person so giving up isn't that much of an option and uh, <laughs> Lauren is, is similar and I think that's where it's nice that two people are working on it because if anybody's having a rough day or a hard time there's somebody else to lift up the spirits and keep pushing on so yeah there's always setbacks in business you're always wanting more there's probably never enough money to do what you want to do and things always come up family life covid whatnot but yeah mm. it's um that's the difference between people that don't make it in business and people that do to be a bit cutthroat you know there's a reason why mm. not everybody started a business and, and completed one well completed one's probably not the right word but yeah so i think the the best thing you can do is push through i listen to a podcast mm. and it's all about people starting businesses and i think in every single one it says you know it takes five years until you're making profit or your business is established so you know if you're willing to put that time in a bit of dedication and it'll work and I think a lot of people listening, myself included, I think when people heard I was doing stuff in the motherhood space, everyone was a bit like, eh, it's a lot going on there, you know, yeah. in that space. And I was like, yeah, there is. But I also think that there are gaps. And I, I totally agree with what you were saying in so far as there are really big gaps in what I call like woman centric motherhood 100% I think as well like the whole empowering women movement that's going on and has been going on for a while it's brilliant and I completely back it but it makes life hard sometimes because mums think right well I've got to be a CEO 
and I've got to look after the kids and go to sports day and make sure the homework's done and do the washing and see my friends. And, you know, it's, um, a, a woman and look perfect and, 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 and look great. Yeah. yeah. It's all the boxes and it's not always that easy. And a lot of the time it's mum that makes sacrifice within the family. I mean, not always, but a lot of the time it is something has to give. So it's mm. great. And I'm completely support women and think they, they should achieve anything they put their mind to, but something has to give and whatever that is, you know, whether it's childcare, yeah, your situation, but it's a lot that women and take on. It is. And I think that something has to give is a really interesting point because it's not just like something has to give. Sometimes it's, you just have to think about the order, right? Yeah. So it's just, what are my priorities? And Yes, I might want to do all these things, but as an example, the looking great thing, it might be that, yeah, that was a priority to me before I had kids, but right now I can't focus on that because I've got this, all these other things I want to achieve and I'm going to wait a bit until I have a bit more time and then I'm going to go back to that as an example. And I had a chat with my husband recently about this where he was just saying that he can't believe that when he was younger, people used to say things like, oh, she's really let herself go or whatever, because he was like, now... I totally get it because now I see how hard it is to even as like the dad he was like I still haven't been to the gym I haven't been in weeks I really need to go and he was like I just can't believe that people used to say that yeah absolutely and it's kind of whatever you see as successful so you know you might not think having a six-pack and being a CEO is successful (laughs) if successful to you is everybody's happy and bathed and fed and you know you've got a great group of friends and you know that is enough so everybody listening watch this space and (laughs) definitely check out the instagram and check out jess's instagram as well which is lovely and yeah i just wish you all the best with it i think it's going to be absolutely incredible well thank you so much and thanks for having me i've I've really enjoyed it you're very welcome have a lovely (laughs) rest of your day whatever it is you're up to thank you and you well you made it to the end enjoyed it let me know on instagram or twitter or better yet drop me a rating on itunes have a lovely day and if you are a parent have an even better night bye everybody